Uh, good evening, everyone. Uh, Steve, thank you for, uh, for leading up to this point and bringing uh, uh, our, our passage to us. Kath, thanks for your support at, uh, on the music and to, um, just on behalf of all of us, really, to thank uh, Kevin, Kathy and Chloe and, uh, for looking after us uh, today. So tonight, then, we carry on with this uh, amazing story of the Israelites, this nation that, that God brought out of, of slavery, that God brought out of dejection, of rejection, of harsh treatment, and would, would slowly make their way towards their promised land. Now, I'm sure this has already been said from this platform, but this was meant to be a relatively short journey. Yet the people in the Israelites, they knew better than God, and so therefore they decided that it was going to take them 40 years. You know? It's quite funny. I grew up with a father that would never go the same way twice to one direction. He was a lorry driver, still is a lorry driver, so you would get bored of driving the same roads. So it very was a magical mystery tour whenever we went anywhere with, with Dad. You know, there was a direct way, and then there was Dad's way of getting, of getting there. And the Israelites have, have very much decided to take my Dad's way, for argument's sake. They've gone the long way round. But tonight, we're really going to look at this uh, incredible story under this, man's grumbling and God's grace. That's just where we are, isn't it? It's man's grumbling and God's grace. But I want to start with what could be an emotive and emotive question, an emotive question. Why are God's people so fickle? Why are God's people so fickle? Correct me if I'm wrong, but there are times in Scripture, and I dare to say, suggest in our lives as well, where we see God provide, in sometimes miraculous ways, lots of times incredible ways, Ways in which we cannot even begin to think that God would provide. And yet within a short space of time, the moaning starts and the grumbling gets louder. Is that a fair comment? Or is that just me revealing perhaps bits that I should keep under my <coughs> jumper for another time? You see, but the, the events in our chapter tonight is no different. This, this incredible story continues. Chapter 15 starts with the words... I will sing to the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. And now we've got to the people. The people of the congregation grumbling against Moses and Aaron. How have we got from praise to complaint? How have we got in that scenario? How have we got ourselves, or how the Israelites, how have they got themselves into that scenario? How have they got from praise to complaint? You see, the Israelites were a people who had a great hope. They had been freed from oppression. And all they had, uh, rather they chosen to go the long way round, God was bringing them to their promised land. They walked across the seabed. They came across water that was bitter and undrinkable, and God made it sweet and drinkable. And God put them in a place of plenty of water. See, how have they got from praise to complaint? The journey goes on. And they arrive in the wilderness of sin, and they are hungry, which is fair comment after all that walking. It's pretty clear uh, to see, in the Israelites at least, that leopards don't change their spots. They grumbled about being enslaved to God, uh, to, the, to the Egyptians rather, so God set them free. They grumbled about being thirsty, and God gave them something to drink. They grumbled about being hungry, and we're now about to see that God is to fulfill that need as well. Is it fair to say that you would have thought by now that these Israelites would have learnt their lesson? That they would have learnt by now that God will give them what they need, 
not necessarily what they want. I would like an Aston Martin. I can tell you one thing that that wouldn't be good for. My driving license. Okay? God will give these people what they need. You see, there are times, if we're Christians here tonight, when, when we go to God simply with a list of demands, expecting him to sort it out in our time. Funny, isn't it, that when God answers our prayers, and, and I realize this is broad brush, we're happy with yes and no, but wait. Oh, that's not. Wait's not in my dictionary. Not, not AIT, anyway. You know, we're, we're, we get to that point where we think, no, it needs to be done now. And the people grumbled, and the Lord speaks to, to his people through his servants. The Lord could have quite rightly and quite fairly and quite honestly rebuked them and rebuked their behavior and abandoned them. He could have quite easily wiped them out. He's done it before, so he could do it again. Yet you see the instant, this instance, ladies and gents, is, what, is God doing what God does best. It's God when he pours out his mercy and his grace upon his people. Why? Well, when you get to heaven, ask him. Because apart from the fact that he is gracious and merciful, who am I to question God's motives for grace? You see, what God does do is make a promise. In verse 4, he promises Moses that he will rain down manna and quail for them to eat. God would provide what they need. However, this time, that provision would come with a challenge. Yes, it was a gift from God, but it came with conditions, if, I, if you allow me to use that word. It came with extras. The food would not only come to provide and to meet a need, but it would come with a test as well. Yes, God gave it freely, but it came with a set of challenges. <coughs> See, that's the Christian life, isn't it? God will give us grace and mercy. God will give us salvation, but it comes with a set of challenges. That's not a condition, but that's just the way the Christian life is. He does it whether it's a test, whether these people will walk in his law. And the, his law, in this case, was whether these people would follow God's instructions or not. Will the people on whom I've been gracious follow my instruction, says God? Will the people who grumbled against me this time actually do what I asked them? I love it in Joshua when Aaron becomes leader and the people say to him, we will follow you the same way that we followed Moses. Hmm, really? Let's see how that goes. Will the people who grumbled against me actually do what I ask this time? You see, this is a question again of obedience. While, while putting tonight together, I kept coming back to this one important question or this one important statement. With blessing comes responsibility. I don't want to put you in false pretenses tonight, whereby saying that if God blesses you, then God will bless you and you will go on your merry way. When blessing comes, responsibility comes also. The responsibility to be wise with what God has given us. The responsibility of, what, of being thankful for what God has given us. And the responsibility to use it for his glory. Whether that be our money, our homes, our gifts, our individual, our time, whatever it may be. We are to use it for all of those things. 
You see, the lessons the Israelites learn with manna and quail, that's what they learn. But, but to us, when God gives us whatever he gives us, the lesson is still the same. The statement is still the same. With blessing comes responsibility. You see, the Lord was, was gracious enough to provide for the people. He provided meat in the evening, in this case, quail. And bread in the morning, in this case, manna. Manna, what is it? It came as a question, as, the people, as, uh, as Steve read to us. You see, the people wanted flesh. They had complained in Egypt, or rather that in Egypt, they had meat pots and ate bread. And were so full, that so they got what they wanted. And in this case, they got what they wanted. Now, here's a huge question to answer. Will God give us what we want if we do nothing but grumble at him? There's a few of you nodding your head. Or there's a few of you shaking your head. Do you know there are times when it seems in Scripture that that's what he does? Here's my reasoning. What did the Israelites, when they were, sat in their, when they were in their land, what did they ask for? We want a king. Yeah, they grumbled and they grumbled and they grumbled and they complained and they grumbled and they grumbled and they grumbled and they they got a king. What was it? Be careful what you wish for. This seems to say that there are times if we grumble, God will give us what we need. Now, I'm not suggesting for one moment that that is how the the Christian relationship works. Not for one moment before the leaders of this church pick me up and sling me out the door. I'm not suggesting that for one moment. But I'm just saying, we need to be careful. And the reason we ask the question is because we're so in tune with God that we need to be following his will and his word. So, the Israelite nation, the nation set apart for God's purpose, had slipped so far away that they longed for what they had when they were enslaved. They longed to go back. You see that time and time again in scripture. They complained about being enslaved, but they wanted to go back. I find myself in that situation sometimes. God puts me in a situation, and I think, oh no, I can't do this. It was much easier before, even though I hated every moment of what was going on before. It happens. That's life, isn't it? That's just the way it goes. You see, the obvious question to me here is this. Do we long for what we had when we were enslaved, when we were enslaved to sin? Do we long for it? Do we want to go back to that life? Have we slipped so far away from God and we long for what we used to do before we were set apart for God? You see, the mourning for the Israelite nation would bring the glory of God when they would receive bread. Now, I'm partial to a bit of toast and marmalade. But when I open the jar, I don't ever once remember seeing the glory of God. I enjoy the fruits of his creation, but I don't ever once remember seeing the glory of God. So what is this manna? What it made it so special? And why would God choose to reveal his glory to the people through it? Why bread? Why just a dish? I've turned these questions over in my mind, and, and really the, the manna... Uh, being provided every morning was God showing them who he really is fast forward to Cana here is God who has the power to ensure that very probably a million people had fresh bread 
every morning. Think forward then to that few thousand years. There was a wedding. And that wedding, the wine ran out. The servants, they're flummoxed by this. Mr. Carson is in complete and utter disarray. He has no idea what he's going to do. And Jesus tells them to go and fix six stone jars and to fill them with water. Then he tells them to take the contents of those jars, a cup of which to take to the master of the banquet. And Jesus has produced fine wine from that water. Have you ever thought what that water would have been like? I'm met by utter silence. Have you ever thought what that water was like? What do we think that water was for? I'll let you know a little secret. It didn't come from the hose. That water was used for what? Washing. Washing, washing people's feet and hands. It would have been dirty. It would have been a bit scummy. It would have been like the, you know, it would have been left around the outside of the bath. That sort of, yeah, it wouldn't have been very pleasant. Yet Jesus has taken all the dirt and turned it into something as beautiful as a fine wine. At that moment, his glory has been revealed. It was no, it was subtle. No big announcement, no fanfare, no pomp, no circumstance, but a miracle. And that miracle being carried out revealed Jesus' glory. And the provision of manna was just the same. That provision, that revealing every morning was God revealing his glory to the people. The people had been treated to something special. They had received bread from heaven. So, verse 11. God gives them quail. Lots of quail, in fact. So much quail that, in fact, it covered the entire land. Now, that sounds lovely. And I don't know if you've ever tried quail, but it's pleasant. I have my doubts that the quail arrived every evening looking like that. But it probably came looking like that. A much more messy affair to deal with, at least, anyway. The quail looked good. I'm sure when it was roasted, it smelled good. And I'm sure when it was eaten, it tasted delicious. But what about all the bones and the feathers and all the other bits that weren't eaten? It looked good, but it came with work. It came with mess. It came with more problems than it solved. You see, the quail didn't fully provide what the people needed. And that was why God provided manna. You see, this was the the real sustenance. It was provided by God every morning. It should have reminded people that God's generosity goes on even while we sleep. He cares for his people and he neither sleeps nor slumbers. You see, God had provided even in the face of sin, just like he did with Jesus, the bread of life. As we drop down to verse 16, it says this, We are given God's instructions. Firstly, there was enough for everybody. There was no need to be greedy, no need to covet what somebody else has got. I guess we can all be guilty of that from time to time. We look at other Christians and we can see what, what they do, or how they are, or how well they know their Bible, or whatever it may be. And there are times when we could be jealous of them, if we're honest with ourselves. God's instructions were such that there is enough for everyone when it comes to gifts and abilities. We all have our own. And there is enough for 
everyone. So the people then, they followed the instructions and there was plenty to go round. Then, when it comes to verse 20, it would seem that the Israelites have failed again. You see, God told them not to leave any. What he had given wasn't only just sufficient for them, it was necessary. God had given them exactly what they needed. They needed it for sustenance. They needed it to serve God. Without the energy the food would provide, they wouldn't have been able to serve God properly. Do we blame Moses then when it seems that he was furious with them? You've refused what God has given you. You've thrown it back in God's face. And now we've failed again. Now we've let God down again. You see, when the, when the manna was gathered, that was really important. <coughs> see, early in the morning, before the sun came up, it was melted. For the Israelites, the best time to gain the Lord's blessing was in the morning. I can think of no better way, and I please, I don't say this as for you to look at me and go, isn't he holy? I say it as this, because I can think of no better way than starting the day by looking for God's blessing. Be that in prayer, be that through his word, be it through Christian songs, it doesn't matter how it is in some respects. Look for the way that God will speak to you in that morning. It is vital for us as Christians to start our day with God and the rest of the day can be set up from there. You see, God gives these people instructions. They were to go and get what they needed in the morning. So the next uh, four verses uh, from 22 to 26, uh, God gives more instructions about the manna. God was going to remind them of the importance of the Sabbath, the importance of having that day set aside to keep for God. The people were to gather uh, enough the day before that would supply what they needed for the day when no work was to be carried out. There was a day set aside. It was set apart from everything during the week and left and given to God. You see, the fact that no manna was provided on the seventh day was itself an indication that the provision was from the Lord. Because if it was just an accident, it would have happened every day. But there was enough on day six for day seven. You see, there was enough for them that he was looking after them and for whatever reason they decided not to trust in god because there were people that went out on the seventh day a passage says and looked for manna you see the lesson that we can learn from this is that we must trust god and follow his instructions we must trust god and follow his instructions now i don't want to sound like a broken record or banging the same drum But it's vital. It is so important. It's the fundamental of what we do that we follow his instructions. You see, the the doom and gloom for uh, Israelites is carried on in verses 27 to 31. It, It seems that their disobedience has now become a lack of faith. See, verse 27 said that now some of the people went out to look on the Sabbath and they found them. God was angry again with his people. And he chastises Moses as to why the people were ignoring his word. You see, that verse I put up on screen is important. It was their leader that took the brunt of their disobedience. It was their leader that took the brunt 
of their disobedience because God was angry and he chastised Moses. You see, this is no different today. The leaders of this church, that church, and every other church must give an account of the people they have been responsible for. The leaders of our churches need our help, they need our prayers, our support, our encouragement, our willingness to toe the line. They're our leaders. That's what they're there for. God has given them that responsibility. They have a responsibility to shepherd the flocks of God. And we have a duty, and this word seems to be becoming more and more difficult for people to understand, to submit to them. They're our leaders in our churches. That's what they're there for. The verse on screen, Hebrews 13, Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will give account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that will be of no advantage to you. You see, the lessons from tonight, I hope, have been clear. The Israelites should have learned by now that they have to trust. They have a trustworthy God, and so therefore they have to trust. He provided food for them, enough for what, we, what they needed. We should be a people who trust God. He has given us much more than we need and much more than we deserve. So lastly then, as we uh, come to the end of this little chapter, we come to verses 32 to 36. Let's end on a, on a positive note. The Israelites have seen God provide, but they thank him. The Israelites who wandered through the desert have had their time. You see, our time is from now until Christ returns. We know that life will be hard. And there will be times when we have to trust in God no matter how big the mountain is that we seem to face. But we can make that decision now, tonight. That no matter what life throws at us, we make a stand to trust in our God. The God who provided manna and quail. The God who gracious to the last. And the God who sent his son. The son that we're going to remember in a short time. You see, the God who was gracious enough to send us his son. So as we go into this week, let us be a people who trust in their God. And who take him at his word. The Lord gave them manna for generations to come. For 40 years, in fact. He gave it to them as a testament of his goodness and his grace towards the people. God's miracles and mercies are to be had as an everlasting remembrance that God is for us. So as I close, I do so with words from Revelation 2 and verse 17. Perfect. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, I will give some of the hidden manna to eat, and I will give him a white stone, and on the stone a new name written, which no one knows except him who receives it. You see, Jesus' words here are a promise to those who endure, to a people who trust God completely, for a people who refuse, deliberately refuse, to disobey God. You see, the ancient Greeks would give a white stone to a people who had achieved at the games. And once they'd been given it, they were allowed to be retired. They would, they'd served their purpose. They'd done their activity. They'd run their race, as Paul puts it. They had completed their task. 
But there's another meaning to this. It means that they could have been acquitted from legal charges. They have been set free, just like us. We've been set free because we trusted God. Let us keep trusting him, that as he guides us as pilgrims through a barren land, remind us that we are weak, he is mighty, and that he will hold us by his powerful hand and give us the bread of heaven to feed us now and evermore. The Lord bless you.